Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. I'm really pleased to welcome you to the 10th episode of the Weave Podcast today. When I launched this about six weeks ago, I really had no idea what to expect, other than if this podcast meant that I got to reach out to my weaving crushes, learn from them, and hear their stories, I was interested in exploring the project. But here we are, 10 episodes in, with over 22,000 downloads from countries all over the world, and I really couldn't be more thrilled with how this podcast is developing. I don't know about you, but for me, it's really helping me remember that the weaving community is at once so wide and diverse and so intimate and connected. And to all of you who have commented or sent me emails or shared the podcast with your friends or joined in the conversation in our Facebook group, thanks for contributing to this sense of community. Before I get started with this week's episode, I'm wondering if you could do me and other weavers a favor. Will you write a review of this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this? Reviews really help the podcast show up when other weavers or textile geeks who haven't heard of this podcast are interested and searching for something to listen to. And while you're at it, maybe you want to share the podcast with four or five weaving friends that you think could enjoy it. And now let's move on to today's episode. I am so thrilled to welcome Susan Dubois, owner of Trinway Silks, to the podcast today. Trinway Silks is widely known in the weaving community as a source for exquisite silk yarns hand dyed in every single color of the rainbow. I stock a number of colorways of Susan's Stilk yarn in my weaving yarn shop, and every time I pull out the color card to select my choices for a new order, I truly feel like a kid in a candy store, and I would like one of everything. So I'm really very thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to Susan today about the story behind her business, where her love of color comes from, tips she has for weaving with her yarn, and so much more. Welcome, Susan. Um, I am excited to be here. I love silk and I love color and I just feel as if I'm blessed that every day I live inside of a rainbow. When I'm sitting at my computer, the wall across to me has all of the threads and ribbons that we carry. So I, every time I look up from the computer, I'm staring at this incredible wall of all of these wonderful colors. And being in Colorado, the sun shines almost every day, and it's just lovely, and how can you not be happy every day? (laughs) That's really great. I'd love to start out by asking you to tell us about Trinway Silks and what kind of yarn you make and who do you make it for? Uh, Trinway Silks was founded 41 years ago by Terry and Karen, and it was based in Canada, and then six and a half years ago they were ready to start their retirement uh, to begin a third chapter in their life and so they looked to sell the business. There were a lot of people who were really interested in it and we feel really lucky that Richard, my husband and I, are the two people that they entrusted Trainway Silks future with and we have loved every day with Trainway Silks. The people that we have our silks for are anybody that is in a a yarn-based endeavor, be it weavers, which is really my particular sweet spot and favorite area, knitters, crocheters, people who use it. uh, We take some of it and turn it into threads for hand stitching. So we pretty much touch anybody who does anything fiber-related. We can provide something for them. 
That's great. So you mentioned that a lot of people were interested in, in buying the business and you were lucky to be chosen. What was it that sparked your interest when you saw this business for sale? Why did you want to be part of it? I had been a customer of Trainway. I'm a weaver, uh, not an active weaver at the moment, but I was a weaver and I had purchased silk from Trainway and it was always my very precious things that I held back for the day that I was good enough. And I was also lucky that I was able to take a three-day silk workshop from Karen back in 2006. So I knew Karen also, and Karen was familiar with who I, I was. I was at a turning point in my life, as many of us um, have faced over the time. There was the big recession of 2008, and I, along with many people in America, were laid off. I ended up going to grad school for a year to basically recover from too many years of doing the 60 to 80 hour work weeks. I was just mentally drained and kind of physically drained too. So I went to grad school in honest to just kind of escape from the world for a bit to recuperate because people don't ask you how the job search is going when you're at grad school. And I got to tell you, it was a great year of my life, a very, um, very relaxing year, which most people won't say that about grad school. Uh, I got a master's in both accounting and marketing, both of which were in my background. Then after I graduated, I was pondering, how do I get a career that's going to be both left brain and right brain? Before the recession, I had spent over 25 years in magazine publishing, and I had been on the business side. So subscriptions, newsstand, financial analysis, acquisitions, those type of things. And particularly in the subscription and newsstand side, it was a very interesting balance of left brain and right brain, and I found great satisfaction in utilizing both halves of my brain. I also think that weaving does the exact same thing, so maybe there's a reason why I'm a weaver also. So I wasn't sure what to do, and I saw that Trainway Silks was for sale. And my first thought was, oh my God, where will I get that beautiful silk yak and silk camel and these wonderful th uh, yarns that I have treasured if somebody doesn't buy it? And then I thought, oh, well, that somebody could be me. So I thought about it for a while, reached out, um, got some basic information from them, and then said, yes, I'm committed to put my hat into the ring. And then we went through their process, which was first a phone screening interview, and then an on-site uh, visit to their place to fully understand all the intricacies of Trainway Silks. And it's a pretty extensive business. Um, there's many lines and markets going on because you are satisfying weavers, which have one language, crocheters and knitters, which have different languages, and then your hand stitchers, which your hand stitchers are also completely, uh, they overlap, but there are distinct lines of, of business that are different. Cross stitchers are very different than needle pointers. So understanding all of these from a retail standpoint, plus we also have a wholesale side of our business, which is for shop owners or qualified production artists. So with all of that, they felt an on-site visit was very important to really get an idea of what it is that you're getting into. And through all of that, we came out as the people that they were willing to entrust Trainway Silks to, and we are so thrilled. What a great story. When you, you mentioned, so you mentioned something early on as you were telling that about weaving with silk that I feel like I have both thought a lot in my own weaving and then heard a lot, which is 
people feel like silk is so precious and like when they get good enough, they're going to start weaving with it. And I'm curious in your own weaving journey, when did you decide that you felt like you were good enough to start weaving with it? And how do you talk your customers through similar conversations like that? Well, actually it's in my DNA to save for good. Um, one of my classic mm-hmm. stories is my when my sister was getting married 40 some years ago, my grandmother had this silver tea service that she had gotten that she kept wrapped for good. My mother asked my grandmother if we could use that tea service for my sister's wedding. And long story short, it wasn't a good enough occasion to use it. So I have so deep in my DNA to save everything for later, save everything for good, that it's actually been something that I've kind of struggled with and fought through for the last, once I became aware of it, for the last 20 years or so. But what I tell, what I tell myself and then what I tell other customers is, if you are financially motivated, think of it this way. Do you want to have all your best stuff go for pennies on the dollar at your estate sale? No matter what you did with it, you would have done something better. You would never, you would not have had to throw it out or discard it. I ask customers, how many times have you put something on your warp on your loom and then had something that was so bad you had to cut it off and throw it away? And they all think about it and usually they say, either never or oh maybe once and it's like see you can work with silk silk is really strong you'll find that you won't have warp breakage as much with silk as you would with some other fibers so use it now and the other thing that keeps it as a precious thought that we can't use is oh will i ever be able to get this again Well, Trainway Silks has been here for over 40 years and will be here for another 100 years, hopefully. Um, And so we keep all of the same colors. So the very first color that was developed, that is still available. So you can always get more. That's great. That's good advice. And it's, it's interesting that you have in your history always needing to save things and you ended up selling such precious beautiful yarn (laughs) like it was meant to be (laughs) i've had customers um email me and say oh i found this at a a estate sale and they'll send me photographs of what the label is and i can tell from the label that it is from the the very earliest trainway so probably 30 to 40 years ago and i find that historical uh interesting and the yarns that they've sent are the same yarns that we have and one woman didn't have the color number on it but she sent me a a little sample and said do you still have this color and oh yes we do that's color number 42 opera velvet and so we were able to dye more for her that's amazing that's truly amazing so what is a day in the life like running your business well every day is interesting and different the the consistent part of every day is that we prepare orders and ship basically every single day, I should say every single day that I'm in town. And that's most times. Um, After that, everything can be different. 
you never quite know what question is going to come across the email or from the phone. You get questions from weavers who are asking about set and various different things, and those are always fun to answer. You get questions from people saying, well, I'm trying to put colors together, but I'm really not quite sure if these are going to work or not. Uh, what do you think? And we're always, we're always happy to share an opinion that has to do with color. We love color. But color is also very personal, so I always qualify, well, this is what I like, but you do what you think is what you like. But other times you can get some questions that are completely unexpected. We have had uh, a person email and want to know, well, what thread should I use if I want to do fly fishing? And there's a whole nother endeavor off on the side that has to do with silk fly lines, which is still um, in progress. I've also had customer call and say, uh, this gentleman is very much into extremely accurate reproduction models of sailing ships from the time that the pilgrims came over. Mm -hmm. And he wants to have rope on his ship. And so what thread should he use that he can um, ply together and create a cording that will replicate the rope at the right scale? And he got 120 over two silk, if I remember correctly. Other times, there's been some really exciting things where someone is working on refurbishing a historical place and they need silk for either to be made into tassels or to be made into some of that really fancy trim that's on chairs or on draperies. And through that, we have provided the silk for tassels and trim for two rooms in Mount Vernon, two different rooms in Monticello. One has been since I had Trinway, and the other was 20 years ago when Trinway was still in Canada. And then four rooms this past year for Carter's Grove Plantation, which is owned by the Smithsonian Institute. So that's always really exciting to be part of a historical renovation. Some, wow. And sometimes we'll get uh, phone calls or emails from someone in a university who is doing some type of graduate study in the medical side, usually, and they need silk cocoons to be able to um, create the, the study that they're working on. They have their beyond my comprehension, but they usually have to do with how silk can bond with the human tissue and create uh, pathways for growth. Wow, so many different, so many different uses for your fibers and yarns. It's neat that you also get to connect with those different people. Um, you mentioned that someone reached out to you with a yarn that had been dyed 40 years ago and you still had that color in operation and could make a new color and you must have just really precise dyeing methods to be able to accomplish that. Can you tell me more about who your dyers are and what kind of dyeing methods they're using? We have four dyers plus my husband Richard and I dye the hankies. The four dyers are really amazing and they specialize in different types of dyeing techniques. Two of my dyers do all of the immersion dyeing, which is where you take the yarn and, and put it into the water uh, with the dyes and dye it that way so you have a single color, a single even color. Part of learning about color was a big thing. I should say learning about dyeing was a big thing for me when I got Trainway. I had done some dyeing dabbling on the side and understood all the basics of dyeing. 
And I thought, oh, well, to keep getting the same thing over and over again is just as simple as being very precise in your measurements. Boy, was I in for a big learning curve on that. It's not, I'd also heard that, you know, your water can vary and that makes a difference and I was aware of that. But what I didn't know is that the whole entire process has an impact on the color. When you use the, you take the dye powders and you mix them up into a 10% a dye stock solution. That dye stock solution then is made, even though it's a single color, it's actually made up of particles of multiple colors. We have about 13 different dye powders that we use to create all of these gazillion colors that we have. In that dye stock, there's multiple little colors within it, like blue is not a flat blue. There's multiple little dye colors that make up that blue. As you are heating up your dye, the time period that it takes for that heat to come up needs to be very consistent. These dye particles will strike, um, adhere to the silk at slightly different temperatures, and if you heat it up really fast one time, you might miss having some of those little particles of certain shades attack, uh, strike the cloth, and other times you might get too many of something. So being very consistent on how that heat is raised, how long it stays, the leveling process, it's very, very precise how the silk is dyed. It's a lot more than just simply measuring accurately. Was it challenging when you moved the business from Canada to Colorado and the water was really different? Um, some of it was the water, some of it was just the learning the consistency of the procedure. I had three dyers lined up to do the dyeing, and they we got formulas for about four or five colors, an easy color, a difficult color, a light color, a dark color, and light colors are actually much more difficult to dye than dark colors. So my, and we had gotten dyes, the dye powder already, we're using the exact same source that Trainway Silks Canada used, which lucky for us, that source is in the United States. So the dyers had the dye and they worked together, uh, kind of playing with the process and figuring things out to see whether or not they could get a match. And then about two weeks after the business had moved to the United States, to Colorado, our dyers uh, went to Canada to spend two days training under the retiring dyers and they were very gracious and shared all of their information their tips their tricks it was just a total mind dump in 48 hours so if you can imagine mm. our dyers were just like exhausted after that process yeah. but learned a lot so some of it there's been a couple of formulas that we've had to tweak that we've not been able to match the color that's on the dye card the color card without the tweaking. And that of the 100 original colors, we've probably tweaked four, maybe five of them so that we can hit that color correctly. Things that are in the reds and the purples seem to be some of the most um, persnickety types of dyes, a little problem children that have to be treated just so. And interestingly, one of those colors is actually named Diva, which kind of makes me laugh because the color sort of is a diva. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How do you go about selecting which new colorways to add? 
Well, and I'm going to talk a little bit about terms. When it's a single color, uh, we call that a color. And when it's multiple colors on one um, item, then we call that a colorway. So we have our silk roving, which is uh, hand painted, so multiple colors, and that we call colorways. And then our yarns are single colors, so we call those colors. We have our original 100 colors, and then we've added 32 colors in the last six and a half years. I never had a plan that we would keep adding that many colors, but it's come about through a couple of reasons. Sometimes it's total serendipity. The dyer is working on a formula and pulls the wrong color uh, when they make it and we get a completely different color and it's like, wow, that's really gorgeous. Let's make that a new color. Other times it's a bit more planned and that we'll have a customer who needs something uh, specific for their needs that we don't have something that works and so we do some color testing to get something that will work for them. Uh, one of the newest colors that we have is a color number 411, I believe is the color number. It's called Endless Sea, and that was because Carter Grove Plantation needed a slightly different blue than the array of blues that we had for one of their rooms. So we tweaked with our colors and were able to get a color that worked for them beautifully. And other times, uh, after the first, at the first year, I thought, oh, there are so many colors, how could we ever need any more? But as I say, I live with these colors day in and day out, and they're actually all my little friends. The colors now actually have personalities to me, like this one I know will hit on target every time without fail. This color's a little bit more uh, temperamental. So the colors have personalities to me. And after putting colors together, you start to realize, well, we have a gap in some of our colors, and so we'll start to add in. I had some of my uh, thread designers, so for cross-stitch and needlepoint, tell me that while we had a whole lot of greens, our greens were either gray cast or blue cast. And I looked at it, and by golly, they were exactly right. So a year or two ago, we added about four more greens into our our color collections so that we could span some of that gap. Have you noticed the color trends changing in the past seven or eight years that you've been running the business? Do, do, do things come and go? I do watch the Pantone color of the year. I can't really say that those trends impact us a whole lot. We generally have been able to identify a color that we have that matches or within the spirit of the color of the year, but that hasn't really changed our sales particularly. In general, so do oh go ahead. Sorry. In general, the jewel tone colors, the blues, the greens, the purples, the red violets, the blue violets, those are always really popular. But with so many colors, it's kind of hard to say what is the most popular color, except if you push me, I'll tell you the honest truth, and that, of course, is black. <laughs> really? Interesting. Black goes with everything, as my it black does. kitty tells me all the time. <laughs> is black yarn on silk? Is that hard to get a good clear black? Uh, we've always been uh, able to dye it well, and that is one one of the colors, I should say the only color that I can 
guarantee will be dyed and in stock all of the time in our most popular thread uh, yarn line. Great. So you have, it sounds like 136 different colors, but you also have many, many different kinds of silk yarn. You have wild silks and silk blends and many different sizes. Yes. We um, have over 30 so different yarns and 22 of them are 100% silk. Uh, most of those are Bombex silk, which comes from the Bombex Mori silkworm. He's the little guy that was discovered 5,000 years ago when the cocoon dropped into the Empress of China's tea, and as she was kind of playing with it, saw that it began to unwind itself, and the whole silk industry was born from that moment. Most of the silk in the world is going to be from the Bombex Mori silkworm. If it's not mar if it's not marked, then it's going to be a Bombex Mori from the Bombex Mori silkworm. That is also called mulberry silk because that's what the little guy eats. It's the only thing that he will eat. It's also called cultivated silk because these little guys are cultivated or um, domestic. The other kinds of silks we have are in the wild silks. And there are wild silks because they are not completely domesticated. Some of them are out literally in trees with, uh, in the wild, they will not live in the little, uh, what I call little silk condos, which the cultivated silks do. And the farmer is there to, with his little slingshot to guard them from all of the predators that are there because they're very tasty to hawks and birds and other types of wildlife. As far as the wild, wild yarns, we have silk from Tassa, and that is uh, the Chinese oak tassa, and that originates from, uh, from China for us. We also have muga, and that is a really wonderful special yarn that is only raised, these muga silkworms are only indigenous to a relatively small area of northeast India. This silk is naturally a gorgeous gold color, and it is so precious that it was originally reserved for just the kings of, in of India to use, and the common folk couldn't have it. It's lovely, it's gorgeous, and even if you're a cool jewel tones person and say, oh, I don't wear the warm colors, this natural color of gold goes with everything and is absolutely stunning. We also have an eerie silk, which is also from India, and this silk is hand-spun on a takli, and it is very rustic looking. So it's not for the every person, it's for the person who loves to work with things that are unevenly spun from thinner to slightly thicker to very thinner again in, a, in an interesting way. So you mentioned that your yarns are coming from China and India. Do you travel overseas to the mills to, to find new yarns to source? Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to do that. I had promised my guy in China that I would come in 2016. And oh my, look, 2016 has come and gone and we're a few years beyond <laughs> that. So it's not on the calendar yet to do that, but it's definitely more than a bucket list item for us. You have just very, very high quality yarn. How do you go about ensuring that quality and, and finding the mills that you want to work with? 
We used the exact same mills that Terry and Karen had found and had been using for years. In fact, at one of the mills in China, not only are we using the same mill, but the same gentleman that we have used has been with Trinway Silks for probably 30, 35 years now. And he was amazing when we went through the uh, changeover of ownership. Terry and Karen did a wonderful job of introducing Richard and me to all of the vend overseas vendors and letting them know that they had sold the business to us and with our blessing and for them to help us in every way that they had helped them. And Shibin has been absolutely phenomenal. He is a wealth of knowledge about silk. And he's also very honest and very truthful. So I can ask him questions and he'll tell me what is correct. And in the Asian culture, that's quite a rarity because there is a desire to please and to tell you what you want to hear. And fortunately for me, Shibin understands that what I want to hear is his best information and his best advice. And I, I just can't say enough great things about him. That's great. It's fascinating to hear the stories behind the colors and the, and the yarns that you carry. Before we wrap up, I would love to have you talk a little bit about your favorite yarn for weavers and any trips, tricks or tips you have for weaving with silk. My absolute favorite yarn for weavers is Kiku, which is 20 over 2 silk. And just as an aside, Kiku is Japanese for chrysanthemum. And I figure that, that there's some fittingness there. Chrysanthemums are part of the royalty flower, and silk is pretty wonderful and pretty royal, but we are able to have it. I also, uh, my dog is named Kiku, and so I deliberately named our most popular yarn Kiku so that in this yarn, my lovely dog will live forever. Kiku is a fabulous yarn. We carry it in many colors all of the time. If you go to the Color Now section of our website, you can see what colors we have in stock. We try and keep a wide variety in stock. Uh, usually one to two skeins is all that we have, but that way when you see something and you're motivated and you want to go, you can get started right away. You don't have to wait for us to die for you. But that's always an option if the color that we, you want isn't currently available and the yarn wrist that you wish for, we will dye it for you. That is the magic of Trinway that has always been part of Trinway. The Kiku silk, one reason I like it so well is that it has a, it, it's, it's small enough to give you some really wonderful curves and design elements, but yet it's thick enough that you're not working at 60 ends per inch. For Kiku, in a plain weave set, you're going to be looking at about a 24 EPI, and that's very achievable. That's going to be really similar to your 10-2 cotton that everybody's familiar with. And then in a twill, that's going to vary depending upon uh, how many ends you're going over, but basically start at about a 28 ends per inch as a testing point for going. From that standpoint, uh, there's enough yardage on these, we have developed uh, some free drafts that we call two skeins equal two scarves. And the idea is we've done all the math and the drafting. Uh, we're using a draft from a published source that we attribute. And then the set and everything is worked out for you. 
but the reason it's two skeins equals two scarves, beyond the obvious, you buy two skeins and you'll get two scarves, which is a really great way of, uh, a great, great way to have your great value for your first silk purchase. But one of the great things about the two skeins, two scarves is it's really your personal way of creating a kit rather than me say, oh, these colors go together. This is your only, you know, you have five choices of color combinations. You have every color combination available in the world. You pick which two colors you like best and weave though up those two scarves and you will have something that chances are nobody else in the world has because there's so many colors and combinations available. That's great. And is that on your website? Is that something I can link to in the show notes for people to see those drafts? Yes, on the, and those on the left hand navigation side, about the fourth one down or so, it's going to be free drafts. And when your cursor goes on that, if you pause, you're going to see um, a sub menu come up and you can choose eight shaft drafts or uh, four shaft drafts. Or if you want to, just click on that initial. Uh, free drafts and all of the drafts will show up regardless of which number of shafts that are used. Neat, neat. Where can people go to learn more about Trainway on the internet or in social media? I am so glad that you asked that. We, our website is www.trainwaysilks.com and we have a Trainway Silks Facebook page and for those people who are interested in fibers other than yarns, we also have a Silk Fusion Creativity group page on Facebook. Alrighty. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really great to hear about your business and about your story. Thank you. It was our pleasure. And we're so happy that you invited us on your new podcast. That's a wrap. Before you do anything else, you're going to want to check out the show notes to this episode to see all this gorgeous hand-dyed silk that Susan has been talking about. You'll find links there also to free weaving drafts for weaving silk scarves. You can find the show notes at www.gistyarn.com episode hyphen 10. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N.com. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Rebecca Mezoff, who's a contemporary tapestry weaver that lives in Colorado. Her work is widely known and exhibited, and she's also a much beloved tapestry weaving teacher, working with students both in person and through online learning classes. Tune in next Monday to hear that episode, and until next time, happy weaving!